This is Jonah, and he's overboard. A few minutes ago, he was up here with these guys, but he threw them into the sea. To understand why, let's back up. Jonah was a prophet. He got messages from God and delivered them to people. God will restore our land. Everything was fine until God gave him this message. Dear Nineveh, in 40 days you will be destroyed. Jonah didn't like the message, and he really didn't like Nineveh. So he did what any of us might do when confronted with the clear, unchanging will of an all-powerful God. He ran. He ran in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And he didn't stop at the sea. He kept going on this boat with these guys. Until they realized that Jonah was the cause of this horrible storm that tossed their ship. And they tossed him overboard. That's when Jonah met the very big fish. Fish stomachs are strange places. But they get you thinking about life. And Jonah realized he'd made a mess of his. He decided that God's way is the best way, no matter what. And he got the chance to prove it. Jonah arrived in Nineveh, a foreign city filled with godless people. He knew his mission. He held his message. All that remained was a choice. Speak or run. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed! With those words, Jonah went overboard again. Not like a fool being tossed to the sea, but like a man diving headfirst into destiny. And something wonderful happened. People were saved. A triumph of mercy sent to motion by one man, armed with eight words and the decision to stop running and start talking. That is the story of Jonah and the really big fish. That's gonna leave a stink. Well, hey guys, my name's Nick. Uh, I am a regional consultant for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I'm still figuring out what that means, uh, but uh, I won't try to explain that to you tonight. I want to talk a little bit tonight about uh, times that we know what we're supposed to do and we say no. Have you ever had uh, things that you know you were supposed to do that you really didn't want to do? I mean, what, what are some of the things that you've had to do that you really, you know, just didn't want to do? You know, it doesn't have to be spiritual, all super spiritual. I mean, what, like get up in the morning for an eight o'clock class, you know, or get up in the middle of the night with a messy baby, or what is it? What are some of those things? Can you think of those things that you didn't want to do? that you know you're supposed to? Work. Work. Oh, yeah. Man, that's not fair on Sunday night. Anything? <laughs> Any others? Mow the grass. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I moved to Lexington. I had two acres in Hopkinsville. I kind of liked being on my land tractor. And I moved to Lexington, and, like, you can cut my yard with scissors. It's awful. But, uh, <laughs> but mow the grass, yeah, I get it. I, I, we all have things that we know that we're supposed to do that at times we really don't want to, you know, from cleaning our room to getting up for work after a late night to, I don't know, finishing the term paper. 
we all have things that we know we should do, uh, but, but we, we, we resist these things. And while we, you know, we'll complain and we resist and we might even procrastinate at times, truth is we end up doing these things. We just go ahead and do them because we, we know that they need to be done. But when it comes to spiritual things, there's times that we also have calls that we know we should do and yet we get frustrated because we don't really want to do them. And what's strange about spiritual things is somewhere along the line we, we start thinking that it's optional. You know, I, I mean, when it's physical things, taking a bath, ter- doing the term paper, going to work, we just get up and do them because we know we have to get up and do them. But when it comes to spiritual things, we act like there's no consequences to just doing nothing. And so a lot of times uh, we don't. Uh, but the Bible teaches that, that that's uh, definitely not the case. And so tonight I want to take you to the Old Testament book of, of Hezekiah. Uh, no, really, we're going to look at Jonah. So if you got your Bible and you can find Jonah, you can follow along. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it because I'm going to have the verses on the screen for you. Uh, but, but my guess is most of you knew this story before we ever showed it tonight, right? I mean, you, you know this story. You know what it's about. Uh, but, but as we look at it tonight, I think we're going to realize it's about much more than just a guy getting in the belly of a fish. It's about all of us. Uh, it's about us knowing what we should do and resisting. So let's, let's get into the book. Jonah 1, verse 1. Let's see if we can get this thing to work tonight. There we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of An- Amittiah. Now Jonah's name uh, means dove. Uh, Jonah, uh, this kind, gentle, peaceful Man, uh, he often did what was right, but here in the story of, uh, that we have in the Bible, he didn't. And he's the son of Amittiah, and his na- Amittiah's name means truth, and that's a pretty good name for a prophet. Son of the truth, peaceful son of the truth, people liked him, he told the truth, pretty good deal. Well, Jonah is called to go uh, to, to Nineveh, get up, go to that great city of Nineveh. Now, I don't expect you to know everything there is to know about Nineveh, but what you need to know about Nineveh is Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Now, the Israelites, Jonah's an Israelite, the Israelites hated uh, the Ninevites and the Assyrians, and you're going to see why in a minute, but, but the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, what we usually do is we get into the story of Jonah, and we just skip right over that. But there's a lot to that verse that I want you to see. The word of the Lord uh, came to him. Um, Sometimes we gloss over that phrase. We see it over and over in the Old Testament, and we, you know, we kind of just fail to see what it's saying. But I hope you see tonight, God's a God who speaks. God loves to speak. The living God who created the universe, who knows everything about you, and loves you intimately, he loves to talk to his children and his people. And so the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Now, throughout history, God's spoken in different ways. Sometimes he's spoken in an audible voice. I, I don't think that's normal. I mean, honestly, I think it's rare, rare, rare. It was rare in the Bible, uh, so, and it's definitely rare today. But it can happen. He spoke to the prophets. He, he speaks through circumstances. You know, in my life, God speaks in circumstances just like he does yours. If you're a believer, you possess inside of you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. We talk about it. Some people say, I kind of just know in my gut. I think for Christians, a better way of saying it is we just, I, I hear the Holy Spirit speaking inside of us. And so, so he... I, I've never heard him speak audibly, but I, I will say that I know God has spoken to me at times. I've had clear thoughts that I know were God. 
I'm sure you've had those, that you knew God wanted you to do something. Maybe you got a sign. Maybe you saw something in the Bible. I don't know how God speaks to you, but the good news is tonight, as we open the book of Jonah, that God speaks to his people, and he speaks to, to you. Now, that's good news, but it's also challenging news, because you know what I found in my life? Sometimes God asks me to do what I don't want to do. You ever been there? I mean, I... I live there, it seems like, where the tension of, I know what God's saying. It's not the question of what he's saying, but I just don't want to do it. Uh, and, and that's the case here in the book of Jonah. So let's dive into chapter 1. He tells him, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because their wickedness has uh, confronted me. It's come up to me. And then in verse 3 he says... Jonah, instead of listening to God, gets up and he goes to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now, if you didn't know this story, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Jonah's a prophet. Prophets are supposed to do what God says. God speaks to the prophet. The prophet does it. Well, God speaks to Jonah and he does the exact opposite. And it's kind of frustrating until you realize why he doesn't want to do it. Um, you see, see the, the Assyrians were Israel's absolute worst enemy. Uh, they were brutal to their captives. This is a part of Jonah's story I'm pretty sure most of you have never heard. Uh, they, they tortured and killed their captives. Whenever they would take over a city, uh, they, they were, they, it, it was horrible. On more than one occasion, it was rumored that the Assyrians were coming and entire cities were told in antiquities where the entire cities would commit suicide because they didn't want to live with the torture that the Assyrians would bring. That's how feared the Assyrian uh, Empire was. And, and in history books, we're told that when they'd take over city, they would kill lots of, the pe lots of the people, and then all of the women would be raped repeatedly. And they would rape the little girls, and they would torture kids, and then they would take some of the men who they hadn't killed as prisoners of war outside the city, and they'd skin them alive. And then... Once they were skinned, they would actually bury them, skinned alive, in the sands of the desert, up to their necks. And you can imagine the pain. And, 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 and then they would take their tongues and pull them out. This is kind of historians telling us this. They would take their tongues, pull them out, and drive a stake through their tongues into the ground. And there they'd go crazy as they slowly died this brutal, brutal death. And then they'd make them listen to Justin Bieber songs all night long, you know, but, uh, no, not really. But uh, after they'd killed them, after they were dead, they would take their skulls and they would stack them in a pyramid in front of their city wall just to tell everybody, don't mess with us. This is what you get if you do. You know, when I hear that, you know, because when I just read, the, when I see the posters in Sunday school and I hear about Jonah, I'm thinking, that doesn't make sense. Jonah, go tell them. Fear God, not the Assyrians. But when I hear stuff like that, I kind of get it, right? I mean, you know, I don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And so Jonah's just like, like us. In his mind, he has legitimate reasons he didn't want to obey God. Maybe he even had a relative who had been treated this way. We don't know. Uh, maybe you can relate. The word of the Lord came to you, and you heard specifically from God. You know, this is what you should do. And in your mind, you're saying, I understand what you want me to do, but I don't want to do that. There's no way that would be the worst thing in the world for me to do. Maybe it's somebody who's wronged you, and God tells you inside of you, you need to go forgive them. 
going, everything inside of you says, there is absolutely no way I'm going to go forgive those folks. But that's what the word of the Lord's telling you to do. Or maybe God's told you to give, to help other people. And I mean, you're just scraping by and trying to make it. You don't have as much as a lot of people. And, and you know God wants you to give. And you know the Bible teaches that. And it's good to be generous. And God blesses the generous. But every part of us says, hey, wait a minute. I don't have enough just for myself to do what I want to do. Or, or, or maybe you're, you know, you're dating somebody and you, know, you, get diff- you get different feelings with them than you've had with anybody else. And, 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 and before long, you kind of start doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing and the word of the Lord comes to you and you know that word of the Lord and you hear it and it's just like, hey, you're in the wrong spot. And you're like, I know what I probably need to do, but I'm not going um, to... It comes in a lot of ways, doesn't it? The word of the Lord comes to us and, 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 and we resist. Um, that's the Jonah in all of us. See, I mean, that's what Jonah is like to me. I'm not the superhero in Jonah. I'm the bad Jonah a lot of times. I don't want to do some of the things that God asked me to do. Uh, Have you ever heard of the phrase lag time? Do you know what lag time is? Anybody know what the phrase lag time means? In In the business world, what's lag time? Anybody know? The time between when an order is placed and the shipment is made or the shipment's received. That's like a, in the medical world, lag time can be more like when you contract a disease and when the symptoms start showing up. Okay, that's lag time. In the spiritual world, lag time is from the time that you hear the command of God and you obey God. You know, that's, that's spiritual lag time. And you can tell how mature a person is, not by how old they are spiritually, but how small lag time is. If God speaks to you and you say, yes, you're a mature believer. If God speaks to you and it takes you 20 years to say yes, you're at best a very immature believer. You're much more like Jonah than you are like Christ. And, and that's, uh, uh, you know, something that, that we've got to all face up to. You know, I, I heard this one time. And I thought it was so true. If you delay obedience, I mean, you might as well be saying no. If you say, ah, oh, not now. I'm not going to do it now. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to get saved now. I don't want to tell anybody about my faith. I, 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 I don't want to start living according to God's plans. I've got my time. I'm doing my thing. Delaying your obedience is disobedience, and we just got to own that. Uh, and that's uh, what we've got to realize tonight. When we're treating... God, with delayed obedience, we're treating God the way an immature child treats their parents. I don't know if any of y'all have kids who are old enough to say this, but in a minute, not right now, uh, okay, yeah, Dad. Well, that's the way we treat God a lot of times. In a minute, God, later on, I'll get to it. James 4, verse 17 says, it's a sin for a person who knows what to do and, and doesn't do it. It's It's sin. Um, Jonah doesn't listen to God immediately. Instead, the Bible says that he gets up and flees to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Now, you know what I found in my life? And this isn't original with me. I've heard it. I heard it somewhere years ago, and I don't even remember where. When you run from the Lord and you don't obey, uh, you you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. (laughs) Isn't that true? You know, you... You, you know it. You decide to obey God and you recommit your life and you're back in church or you lay down the bottle and you made the commitment at youth camp and you're never going to look at pornography again and almost immediately temptation arises and the guy that you know who's not good for you calls 
or the buddy who says, let's go to the game, uh, buzzes you, or, or your family says, hey, let's go to the lake, we don't need to go to church, or, or you're, you're in a business trip by yourself at a hotel, and you know how the problems you have there. There's always a boat going in the wrong direction. It's always there. And watch how it happens here in, in Jonah. God says, I want you to go preach to the Ninevites, but instead he goes down to Joppa, and he finds this ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare, and he, he gets down into it to go with, with them to the Tarshish. And the reason he's going is clear. He's going from the Lord's presence. Now, he's not going to Tarshish because he's wanting to go on a cruise. He's going to Tarshish because he's tired of feeling these feelings he feels from the Lord. And some of y'all feel know those feelings. God calls you to do something. You know what God wants you to do, and, and you get tired of it. And that's why a lot of people check out from church. You know, because they start hearing God speak and they hear what God wants and they're like, man, I'm tired of that. And they run a different direction. Uh, and that's what Jonah is doing. And he goes down to Joppa and he sees, guess what, a boat. Well, duh, that's what you always find in a seaport. You know, sometimes I see people who, who, who you know, think that, oh, man, wow, I, I, it must be a sign from God. I'm running from God, and he has a boat here in the seaport. It must be what God wants me to do. Of course it's not. Uh, but, but Jonah doesn't recognize, and so Jonah willfully moves from the Lord. Um, Isn't this true? Delayed obedience can put you in a dangerous position. Uh, you need to understand you can run for a while, but and you can seem to get away from it for a while with for a while, but you can't run forever. And while you're running, God may send a storm to grab your attention. Um, verse four. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea, and it was such a violent storm uh, that that the ship starts to break apart and, and and this was a ship full of sailors and this was a sturdy ship it was a cargo ship and it was breaking up and listen to what happens verse 5 the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his god and they threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load and meanwhile jonah had gone down in the lowest part of the vessel and he stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep and the captain approached him and he said man what are you doing Get up, call on your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Ah, come on, the sailors said. You need to get up. Then uh, they said to each other, let's cast lots and then we'll know who it is to blame for this trouble that we're in. And so they cast lots and basically said, we've got to figure out what the cause of this is. And the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, tell us who's to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? In verse 9 he says... I'm a Hebrew, I worship Yahweh, the God of the heavens, the one who made the sea and the dry land. Now, now there is a, there's a part of this verse that I don't get. Do y'all see something wrong with this phrase? I worship Yahweh. Do you really, Jonah? Really? Worship means you bow down, you submit to. Worship means it's your way, not my way. Worship means you're God, I'm not. And God says, go. And Jonah says, no. Do you really worship Jonah? Really? Sometimes when I read these words, I, I think about where church has been. See, my job is to work with churches, and I see a lot of churches that are upside down. 
And the reason churches are upside down, I think, is because they're filled with people who are in church because it's cultural and they're not in church because they love God. They're in church because there's an expectation or they're in church to do business or they're in church because their grandparents tell them to be in church and they're not there to worship God. And because uh, 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 of this, that we have this generation of people who call themselves followers of Christ and they don't live like it at all and there's no distinction between them and the person who lives next door who doesn't know Christ in this cultural Christianity, this in-name only consumeristic, gotta have it my way, it's all about me type of faith this has killed our witness. You know, there's nothing in many people's daily lives that resembles the teachings of Jesus at all. Oh yeah, I worship God. Do you really? Just because you're in church doesn't mean you worship God. Worshiping God's not something you do for an hour a week. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, I worship God, but then I go home and I yell and scream at my kids, you worship God? I worship God, but then I go play golf and I take God's name in vain and I act like, really? You know, we're a Christian couple, we got a Bible on our coffee table, but our marriage hasn't been going so good and I really don't have any biblical grounds, but you know, I'm just tired of it and I'm going to give up and not try anymore. Really? Worshiping God should be so much more than just showing up and listening to somebody talk for a while. Worshiping God should affect every aspect of our life. Verse 10. Then the men were even more afraid and they said to him, What is this you've done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had had told them. In verse 11, he says, uh, verse 11, the Bible says that they say to him, what should we do to calm the sea that's against us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And then verse 12, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And I I know the book of Jonah pretty well, but I don't know if there's a verse that irritates me any more than this. I'm the problem. Throw me into the sea. It'll all get better. Jonah, we don't need a martyr. We need a prophet. We don't need people who will just kind of fall on the sword. We need people who will go out and live what they believe. But Jonah Jonah plays the victim. And nevertheless, the men don't want to do that. They row harder They get to try to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. In verse 14, so they called out to the Lord, Please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life. Don't charge us with his innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. And then they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And the storm stopped raging. You know, then something that seems unbelievably bad uh, in my mind happens, you know, to Jonah. Jonah's thinking, okay, I'm going to get this over with. I'm going to die a quick death. I'm going to drown. It's all going to be over. Good enough. But then God has other plans. You know, God sends a, you know the story, he sends a fish. You don't know what stupidity is? People arguing over if this is a whale or a fish. Have you ever heard people argue over that? That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, you know, surely we have better things to talk about than that. (laughs) But uh, this big fish, people, you know, the original text says fish. It doesn't matter. I mean, it was big. It was nasty, right? You know, this big fish swallows Jonah. He's in the fish for three days. 
I can't even imagine eating fish for three days, much less being in the belly of a fish uh, for three days. But uh, uh, Jonah's there in verse 16. Uh, the men, uh, well, back to the story, the men feared the Lord even more. They offer sacrifice, and they throw Jonah overboard, because, and the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah is in the fish for three days and nights. Now, I, I want you to realize that sometimes when you run from God, you think, well, I can deal with it, because even if the worst thing happens, I'll be all right. I want you to understand it might get worse than you think. But getting worse might be exactly what you need. Uh, you know, I've heard so many testimonies of people who say, you know, I faced this difficult circumstance and God got my attention. And then you're saying, oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 I wouldn't change a thing. God turned my life around. I went through this hardship and God turned my life around. That's how God got me back. Now, while this wasn't Jonah's dream vacation... God protected him from himself and he got him to a place where he could be useful again. And so Jonah has this extended time in the belly of a fish. And you know what you do in the belly of a fish, don't you? You pray, right? <laughs> if you're ever there, by the way. Uh, that's what you do. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's what chapter 2, it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord uh, from inside the belly of the fish. And when I read that, I'm reminded of this. It is never too late to cry out to God. And I hope y'all get that. You know, for so long, I think church has been deemed as a place of rules, and we've turned this into this is what you should do, and this is what you shouldn't do. And I think sometimes those people who fall in bad think, man, there's no room for me in there. I want you to understand everybody here has fallen bad. We all have messed up. All of us have fallen short. And it is never, ever too late for you to cry out to God. If Jonah can cry out to God from the belly of the fish, you can cry out to God right where you are. It is never too late. Um, Jonah prays, and God hears his prayer. And then the Lord commanded the fish, and the, every middle schooler's favorite verse in the Bible, it vomits Jonah out onto dry land. You know, middle school boys have to love that, you know. And so, uh, the, so here's the story. We've got Jonah back on dry land, and guess, probably in shock. And um, let me read a couple more verses for you, and we'll start to tie this together tonight. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Man, I don't know about you, but that's what I want. For the word, yeah, y'all come on up, guys. The word of the Lord to come a second time. And he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message I tell you. And so Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, I think the word of the Lord is simple for us. Don't wallow in your mess. I mean, because we've all made it. I mean, let's be honest. We have all made a mess of things. Whether it was a boyfriend or a first marriage or a third marriage or your kids that you didn't invest in like you should or you mishandled your money, mishandled your time. I mean, we've all, we've all blown it. There's not a one of us here who hasn't. That's the Jonah in us. We know what we're supposed to do. We've known since we were little. 
it, it just is in us. We know what's right and wrong, and yet there's something in us that continually goes the wrong way. But see, here's where the story of Jonah is a little bit incomplete. Jonah gets a second chance, but, but it's different from Jonah than it is for us. You see, Jonah's still kind of left on his own power to figure it out. And if we get a chance, we'll finish up the story sometime together. We don't know if Jonah ever gets it right, but what's different for us is God sent Jesus for us. And Jesus takes our mess and our sin and that part of us that is so rebellious and, and goes our own way, and, and, and he delivers us from that. The Bible says we used to be slaves to sin, but when we come to Christ, he sets us free. He'll set you free. But don't wallow in your mess. Get up. Follow God. Maybe you're here tonight, you've never, ever Put your trust and faith in Christ. You know, maybe you're a skeptic and you kind of watch from the distance. And you've never put your faith and trust in Him. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been able to fix your mess on your own? If you're like me, you just continue to stumble in it. But Christ has fixed my mess. He said, oh, now that doesn't mean I don't ever mess up. I do. But I have resurrection power living in me now. I have the power to get up that second time. Maybe you don't have that. You'd like to have that tonight. Tonight, you know, you come and you can pray at the altar. Somebody will be around here to talk to you if you want to know how you can have faith in Christ. But we're going to give you a time to respond tonight. Maybe you need to respond tonight by giving and saying, Lord, thank you for what you've given to me. Or maybe tonight you want to respond by taking communion because you're a believer and you know it's Christ's blood that has forgiven you of your wrong. And maybe tonight that's what you need to do is just come and respond in that way. Or maybe you just want to pray. Uh, the altar will be open. But we're going to stand and we're going to sing right now about the great love of Jesus. And as we sing this, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Respond in the way that he speaks.